Hello, I'm Anna Pogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is The Next of Planes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Sister Satan, Dr. Arden, and the Monsignor form an alliance, and we find out Bloody Face's backstory. I really love that Sister Satan is a thing now. We said it I in know. a joke, and that was the character's name. <laughs> it is just officially, it's canon now. Yes. All other American Horror Story fans, you have to get on this bus. This is this is the, get on the train, get on the, the bus, the train, get on the... The motor bus. The motor bus. Get on the motor bus with us because <laughs> she's called Sister Satan now. That's just how it is. If this makes it into the AHS Wikia page, I will feel complete. Well, this is this is our entire ambition with this podcast, right? It's just to yeah. <laughs> earn a mention on the American Horror Story Wikipedia page. <laughs> Exactly. If some like if if the admins for that are listening wherever listened to, this is canon. We're creating an extended HS universe here. Yes. Let us be admins, please. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back on to fun AHS. We've got bloody face, we've got um Nazi doctors. We've got Sister Satan and we're over the, the two part downer episode that we were discussing over the last two weeks so shall we start with bloody faces storyline because we get yes the present day setting where the multiple bloody faces that uh, had murdered adam levine and Teresa, which is jenna dewan's character and i still refuse to give adam levine his character name he should have been eliminated a lot earlier but anyway i digress there are they're all massacred and strung up by the real bloody face in the present day who alerts the police and then we also get quite a lot of uh insight into og bloody face which is dr oliver threatstone what did you what did you make of both bloody faces in both timelines well okay modern day bloody face i feel like still quite elusive not sure what's happening there because I'm we're guessing it's a different person and uh-huh. it's not just like a an elderly we're not just we're guessing it's not just like an elderly Dr. Threadson just still still killing away many years later <laughs> who know I mean who knows who knows um I would say yeah Dr. Threadson um it's a bit of a red flag <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a red flag. Um, you mean the dungeon many, <laughs> was not a red flag enough? It's like every red flag. I mean, <laughs> I. Just, uh, I mean, I, the croque monsieur that he made looked good though. So that's one in one thing in his favor makes a great croque monsieur. Um, everything against his favor: uh, the killing. The mommy issues, the skin mask, <laughs> um, <laughs> the nipples, the misogyny, the violence. The yeah, is I feel like this episode is 
really like intense in terms of the amount of things that happen mm. especially with bloody face and and this sort of entire character art just comes crashing down into this one episode where it's it's kind of like psychological profile overload i would say mm-hmm. yeah there's there's a lot of self exposition by bloody face about what makes him bloody face and kind of him psychoanalyzing himself and what made him the way he is i quite enjoy it because it kind of is all wrapped up in bullshit but it's also enjoyable i love a serial killer who chats yes <laughs> which is a, is a strange sentence to say but i think you know to connect us to something like mindhunter the david fincher netflix series which was all about the origins of um criminal profiling at the fbi one of my favorite um, characters, which is based on a real life person there, is Ed Kemper, because he just talks about himself all the time. And Bloody Face in this episode is giving off big Ed Kemper vibes, where he just tries to make himself very interesting and kind of explain away why he does the things he does. Yeah, it's good to know at least, like, if I'm going to die, just at least explain <laughs> to me what's going on here. <laughs> Be like, ah, yes. Oh, your mother abandoned you when you were a a small child. So now you have intense uh, mommy issues. I I see. Okay, you can stab me now. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) And what did you think about the dynamic with with Lana? Because I found her and Sarah Paulson's performance very interesting because it's that real life adjusting to a very dangerous situation and a very dangerous man in front of you who is also trying to both coddle her and groom her, but also kind of sees it as his potential sort of bride type figure or someone to fix or even a, a, a substitute for his mother. Oh, yeah. I mean, he literally calls her mommy at one point. <laughs> but like- yeah, so it's very much the like, you're you're my mommy and also my bride it's yeah (laughs) it's really it's um it's not great it's not great but i i liked i find it really interesting how lana is written in this scene because Mm -hmm. her defining characteristic is she is the survivor Mm -hmm. And she is always sort of, she always has her wits about her and she's always trying to find out how she can, I don't know, manipulate the situation or Mm. or just put herself in a position where she can, she can be free and she can do what she needs to do. And so it's, it's so interesting, the scene kind of how she goes back and forth in between trying to escape but also you know trying to go with what he's saying like when he gives her the cockmissiera and she's like this is good i just want you Mm -hmm. to know i appreciate this act of kindness like Mm -hmm. trying to boost his ego by telling him how good his sandwich making skills are so yeah it's like really well and intricately written and the nutmeg the nut yeah look she's appreciating it a because it yeah. probably the sandwich probably does taste good and b because she's trying to figure out if that will put her in in a, a better position to mm-hmm. get out of there somehow 
Yeah, I think you're right. It's the way that Lana char- Lana's character is written in this scene balances out, I think, the the intense exposition dump that we get from Bloody Face. Because that's the thing. Whenever a serial killer is going, blah, 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 my psychological issues, it's given the other person time to to try and figure out how to escape. Hmm. That's the, the perpetual advantage of it. And so you can kind of see, read it in her face, the sort of the brain is like constantly taking away going, okay, what can I do? Can I punch him? Can I wiggle my way out of this, uh, this chain? You know. Mm-hmm. Well, this all happens on Bloody Faces Lair. We also get quite a big chunk of the episode around Briarcliff and the dynamics there. And especially we focus on Sister Satan, on Dr. Arden slash Hans Grouper, and the Monsignor, who comes back again. And what did you think of the the way that they're sort of unwillingly or unknowingly, I think is more accurate, work together? protecting each other especially protecting Dr. Arden's real identity and his overall ambitions for Barcliffe. I guess it's very different between I mean Sister Satan obviously protecting Dr. Arden because I imagine Nazis are quite popular in hell you know so that's a pretty like straightforward (laughs) motivation I don't know what to say but I feel like yeah. it's a lot more. Com- it's it's interesting with the Monsignor because mm. he's an interesting character in in terms of I don't know. I I hate him like maybe the the most out of all all these. I mean, Doctor Arden is the worst, but there's something about mm. the Monsignor I really hate because it's that he's so weak. He's such a weak character. Because he's so like slimy and wormy and just trying to like get his position, his fancy position with the church, mm. um, to the point that he would get himself embroiled in this situation in which he has literally, yeah, protected a Nazi mm. doctor and and he discovers what Dr. Arden did to Shelley in the mm. hospital. And instead of doing anything about it, he kills Shelley mm-hmm. just to cover up the crime so that he won't get found out and he won't lose his precious standing with the church. Like it's so, ugh, he's gross. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that he's sort of pitted with and against Dr. Arden because he is just as bad, but just in a more subtle way, I think. And that's what makes him slightly grosser because it's a bit more insidious. It's the idea that because he, I think he, Gen- I mean, we're you know told through the through the show that he genuinely believes that he is doing good work for people, that he's helping people, and that this is sort of all a means to an end. And that you know he can kill someone, but he's still a good man, and you know he needs to be in a position of power because he's a good man and he can do good things. So it's that conviction of him actually being on the right side of morality that makes him blind to his own actions and his association with Arden, which in turn makes it incredibly gross. So would you, because uh, I believe, I think he's all this talk about doing God's work and doing good. Mm. I think it's a cover. I think it's a way that he's yeah. convinced himself and the world 
that, you know, he's doing the right thing and that his actions are justified. I think he just wants power and 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 recognition and i think well i think that's Mm. what's what's interesting about this character is Mm. you know when people talk about hypocrisy in religion when Mm -hmm. it happens it's it's stuff like this where it's and you you see it over and over again in in history in societies Mm. where people yeah they always say oh i'm doing this because i'm doing it for the good of the world i'm doing this because mm-hmm. it's god's will and it's like you're not that's that's a that's a cover you're using this this um very personal and, and pure belief as the sort of shield against criticism mm-hmm. i think i and think I feel those like, two things yeah. don't actually go against each other with this character and exactly the way you put it i think he his own belief that he's doing everything he's doing for God, that he's doing God's work is so entrenched that he's not able to see what he's actually doing if that makes sense yeah yeah I think we have like I, our interpretations are very similar but I think different mm. in very subtle ways but I I think that's deliberate I think that character is there to be interpreted as you see fit yeah, and I think he's probably one of the more you know everything in his everything in AHS is heightened and it's very over the top. We've spoken about this, but I think he's probably one of those characters that is touching on something quite common, which is you know taking something personal and like faith, like religious faith, and using that or having that so ingrained that you can you can use it as a justification for terrible acts and I think we can see that kind of you know HS is presenting it in a really heightened way but you can see that in everyday life with people and that's the that's the relatable not relatable that's the um, the scary aspect of it I think yeah and obviously yeah it's heightened with the fact that like <laughs> the fact that he kills Shelley with by choking her with a rosary is a little it's pretty on the nose <laughs> I mean chef's kiss like beautiful beautiful image like just <laughs> drummed down punched in the face with the imagery <laughs> and a detail I loved is after that scene he goes to confront Dr. Arden they have a big argument mm-hmm. about what he, uh, Dr. Arden's doing and the way that he, he <laughs> greets him as he storms into the room he takes his rosary and he like slams it onto the record player <laughs> and smashes the record <laughs> it's like what What do you think your rosary is <laughs> like, why is it suddenly become <laughs> like Wonder Woman's lasso of truth I, I thought it was more like, it's like that scene in every single cop movie where the rogue but talented detective sort of slams down his badge and his gun on the on his um, lieutenant or superior's desk. And it's like, I'm going to go rogue and just finish this mission by myself. True. I'd understand that if he slams the rosary on the desk and was like, <laughs> I'm laying down the, the religious law here. But the fact that he comes in and smashes the record... <laughs> No fun for you, Nazi. <laughs> like, 
like it's such I just find it's such a weird it's such a weird little acting detail for me mm. but I like enjoyed it but I was like this is really weird <laughs> who decided that I wonder if that came from Joseph Fiennes maybe I don't know did he go to to RADA or something some prestigious acting school and I'm like this is what my teacher taught me smash things dramatically to make a point I think Rafe went to Rafe went to Rada, but I don't think Joseph did. Oh, disappointing. Okay, sorry, Joseph. <laughs> what did you make of their conversation? Like, I feel like it's a bit late for the Monsignor to be mad about anything. You just killed somebody. Like you're in this now. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like, why are you storming in with your rosary smashing things? I, I just, this is why, this is why I really dislike this character. Mm. To, to for, for him to act as if he has any sort of moral superiority in this, in this room right now is a bit, it's, no, it's too hypocritical for me. We haven't kind of mentioned how Sister Satan fits into this. So she kills... We don't get that much of Sister Jude. We don't get that much of Sister Satan aside from the fact that she murders the Nazi hunter after he finds proof that Dr. Arden was in fact Hans Gruber. But what we do get at Briarcliff is a potential new patient, which is a little a little girl killer called Jenny, uh, who gets dumped at Briarcliff. So what did you what did you make of Jenny? I love Jenny. <laughs> I don't know. She's cool. She's cool. Just like completely psychopathic, no yeah. emotions, flat-toned little serial killer girl. Um, it's obviously I'm- reminiscent <laughs> of someone from pop culture, but I will hold on to that for our... I really love her um, deadpan delivery which she does twice in the episode. So when we first see her kill a little friend of hers in the woods and she's questioned by the police and she's like, I tried to stop him, but he was bigger. He was tall. He had a beard and a brown jacket. I was like, mm, babes, ideal man. But, you know, fine. <laughs> but He <laughs> was a man with a beard. He said, so was a man with a beard. Moved, he would kill me. I love it. She's I not even that. trying. I know. She's like, it it's just me. no, no, not me. Not I'm holding the scissors. Just, it's not me though. Because she knows she's a cute little girl. That's what yeah. I love it. She knows her power. She's like, I'm an adorable little girl. I can literally put no effort into my cover story, <laughs> and everyone's gonna believe me. Like you, yes. like. You go, Jenny. <laughs> well done, Jenny. Also, do you know what? Like, well done, Jenny, because her mom dumps her in an in an asylum, and then when she goes back to him, she literally murders her entire family. I mean, that was just going to happen, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you if you have a little tiny serial killer girl. And you're like, mm, what should I do? Oh, betray her <laughs> in the worst possible way so that, that she would stupid. definitely kill me if she had the chance in the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
So um, not to victim blame, but I don't know what the mother expected to happen. Yeah, I mean, truly, if you if you think or know that your little girl is a tiny killer, maybe maybe if you're going to betray her move, I'd suggest just move towns, potentially states. And also, like, children's hospitals exist at this point in his- Like, could you not... I was going to say Google it, but... Could you not go to the library and i don't know look up children's hospitals in your little hospital book like the fact that she just dumps her in the first place you could think of is i loved it i loved again her interaction with sister jude where sister jude is like "Mm, one of my big ambitions is to have a children's ward at briarcliff i was like really your ambition is to put children in a mental institution that's your ambition sister jude yeah, especially your like uber goth like nightmare <laughs> place. <laughs> like, really, you want to put kids in this place? Okay. Anyway, is there anything that happened in this episode that we haven't covered? No, I think we've covered everything. Right. Okay. I will say, yeah. just some of the camera work in this episode is insane. <laughs> it's just like you know when Doctor Threadson's like being old bloody face yeah and the camera's like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like shaking all over the place <laughs> <laughs> like i can literally see the cameraman on set just like putting the camera in jello <laughs> letting it go <laughs> it's yeah it's interesting camera work in this episode yeah, and there's like an upside down shot when between him and Lana that I found um very oddly beautiful and probably the most subtle out of that scene where everything is quite jiggly and kind of very, you know, very intensely trying to be weird. I was like, no, I get it. I get it. They're in a kill dungeon. He's made her a sandwich and literally lecturing her about his severe mummy issues and how he wants to both find and kill and fuck his mother. So we get it. It's weird. Yes. <laughs> oh, should we also mention um, the fact that Dr. Arden reveals why he's doing the experiments, which I found interesting. Go well, on. interesting. I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> um, but he was saying because when the Russians launch their missiles, like we need to evolve the human race so that they survive the atomic blast. I don't know. Just very sixties sentiment, I guess. I mean, it's just just these basic ideas around eugenics that the Nazis kind of grasped onto, and it's. I found it interesting in the sense that the way I think James Cromwell kind of delivers it in a way that seems so intensely psychopathic that there is no mm-hmm. possible way that anyone in a contemporary audience would think oh he's got a point like no he has zero points like all of it is nonsense and yeah i found i because it's i think it's it's potentially depending on how those ideas which were so dangerous and so perverted by different groups throughout history 
it's very it's potentially quite dangerous to have a character express them so you almost you you need to show why they're so convinced by them but also not in any way shape or form kind of present them as potentially having a point because there is no point i like that scene because arden and that scene kind of really seems unhinged it's like this sort of weird combination of the the nazi eugenics mm. plus like cold war uh paranoia like the the type that was just completely extreme and and yeah kind of psychopathic like that's it's sort of i guess historically is sort of a an interesting like mm-hmm. emergence of like two like really dangerous paths of thinking absolutely so shall we move on to our categories for the episode yes what was your favorite quote oh god everything's so disturbing in this episode <laughs> Isn't in it's, a fun way. Oh, I, I uh i liked when bloody face at the beginning or like bloody face number two at the beginning uh-huh. just goes i've been a very busy boy <laughs> i enjoyed that I, I just like when serial killers are like, I've been such a naughty boy. <laughs> I kill people, so it's a bit of an under-exaggeration. I love, we, I love a chatty serial killer, as I've said before. <laughs> yeah. How about you? I think mine is also bloody face, but OG bloody face. It's the delivery and the spacing in between these two lines where Dr. Threatstone goes, nutmeg makes all the difference in the world (laughs) (laughs) yes because you're like does does he mean something more than that is he gonna kill her Mm. with nutmeg who knows (laughs) maybe in the next episode isn't nutmeg poisonous if you eat too much of it isn't everything sort of poisonous if you eat too much of it that is true (laughs) (laughs) that is true if you eat enough cheese you will also die Oh god. I'm okay with death by cheese to be honest. It is. It is. It contains a substance called myristicin, a narcotic with some very unpleasant toxic side effects if taken in large quantities. What is a large quantity though? Wait, there's an article says can two teaspoons of nutmeg really kill you? What? So potentially two. Fucking hell. Okay. Um, sorry, this is completely derailing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, um, how much is considered toxic? Around one to three nutmegs is a toxic dose. That is not that much. It's not that much. Yeah. So be careful. So maybe this. I. This is. This is the the layers to the the dialogue. Mm. is that maybe he's just going to keep putting more nutmeg <laughs> on the croque monsieur <laughs> until it kills her. I mean, considering he literally carves people up, it's probably a bit too elaborate for bloody face, but yeah. I'm just saying if he wanted to mix it up a little bit, the nutmeg on the croque monsieur could be a new way to kill people. I really hope that no one actually, no one who listens to this actually is making notes of that. Please don't. Yeah, please don't kill people with nutmeg. <laughs> um, it's not... 
It's not nice. Okay, now I wanna now I wanna Google nutmeg murders, <laughs> but um, I'll do that after. <laughs> so moving on to sad butt. Was there was there a sad butt in this episode? I don't believe there was a sad butt because Evan Peters wasn't in this episode very much. And what about the MVP of the episode? Oh, Jenny, Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> yeah, <Obviously> Jenny. <laughs> Definitely Jenny. Queen. Queen. We we have no option but to stand Jenny. And moving on to your favorite one, insensitive historical reference of the week. I um picked up on the it's Dr. Arden who talks about the Harlow's monkey studies which were real studies conducted uh, in the late 1950s and in which they separated young little baby monkeys from their mothers and used these different sort of substitute mothers. So there was one Mm -hmm. which had mesh with milk and the other one had no milk and just terry cloth. And the baby monkey would always go to the terry cloth, which was some sort of proof of um, wanting... Oh, it wasn't Dr. Arden that said this. It was Dr. Threadston. Sorry. Because um, he's talking about his his creepy oh, love of skin. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah, he's talking about... He's just going on about skin for ages. He's talking about these monkeys. Uh, and yeah, so that was a, a real experiment. And there are videos of it on the internet and they're actually really distressing so I would oh. not recommend looking them up because it was like really horrific animal abuse of like ripping these very very young little baby monkeys away from their mothers and and they would like deliberately try to to scare them and like put mm. them in really distressing positions to see how they would react because like a child's reaction is to to automatically instinctually run to the the parent figure or the mother figure but yeah it was really hard so it's just like a lot of like very very sad distressed little baby monkeys um yeah it's really horrible that is horrible so pretty insensitive <laughs> i would say to, to bring that up uh for your stupid little monologue about skin <laughs> <laughs> the bile <laughs> in that sentence I really felt it there Clarice <laughs> just you know if you're going to tell that story like clarify that it was animal abuse yes Aerosol. <laughs> I feel like Dr. Threadstone might be your Adam Levine well, I mean, he is like a full serial killer. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm justified in disliking this character. <laughs> yes, fair. Also, he's not a real person. Please don't sue me, Adam Levine. Anyway, my insensitive historical reference of the week. I'm not even sure if it's insensitive, but it is a nod, I think, to Mary Bell, who is, I believe she's still alive, but when... She was 10 or 11 in the late 60s in kind of close to Newcastle. She killed two boys and she was caught and sentenced to prison. And uh, but yeah, she is kind of, you know, a very, a very cute young girl who murdered a few people. So I thought that might have been uh, an inspiration for Jenny's character. 
Yeah, I think maybe the insensitive part is that we spend this entire podcast being like, Jenny, <laughs> go Jenny, when this might have been based off a real murderer who killed two people. Um, yeah. So maybe that's where the insensitive part comes in. It's us I... being insensitive. <laughs> We're the insensitive historical refer- referees. References. <laughs> <laughs> and what about um, cinematic references in this episode? Did you pick up on any? Jenny's just Wednesday Adams, right? Right? I didn't know. <laughs> she's got the two little braids, the deadpan voice. Jenny, um, she's Wednesday Adams. I'm co- this is I okay. the second she came on screen, I was like, that's just Wednesday Adams. <laughs> <laughs> that's Wednesday right? Adams in sort of she's a two real world. little braids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what she in if Wednesday Adams existed in our world, she would be a child serial killer and would be like a terrifying figure because but in the Adams family universe it's like cute. It's like uh-huh, she keeps killing people, cute. <laughs> in real life, murderer. It makes total sense and you are absolutely correct. But also, I refuse to accept it because I love Wednesday Adams, and I don't want to think of her as a deadpan serial killer. Yeah, but it's it's okay because, like, in the Adams family world, it's like different rules, right? I picked up on perhaps a nod to Psycho. Ah, oh. in the scene where a patient is looking at through a little peephole in a little sort of cubby or in between part of the walls, he's looking at and masturbating to Sister Satan. Which, you know, the, oh. the iconic imagery of the people and a weird dude masturbating while looking at someone through a peephole is very much psycho. Knowing that Ryan Murphy is such a cinephile and so in love and so knowledgeable about classic Hollywood films, I'd imagine it, it might be intentional. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a really good spot. I just want to point out, and this makes it so much better, is the fact that the patient that is looking through the people and wanking is Hiram Lodge from Riverdale. I knew I recognized him from somewhere. No. Oh my God. Mike Consuelos is a weird masturbator in American Horror Story. That's such a, of course, American Horror Story. (laughs) And Riverdale would be connected. that's amazing i love it i love it i've i spent the whole episode being like who is this guy (laughs) riverdale it all all roads lead back to riverdale (laughs) they truly do um (laughs) this is what what we're doing after the american horror story podcast is we're doing uh riverdale podcast and it's gonna last for five years because there's a million episodes of that show mate i can't like I love Riverdale, despite every bone in my body <laughs> telling me it's shit. I keep watching it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm the same. It's like you're watching it. That's the great thing about Riverdale. You sit there and you watch it just the whole time thinking, this is so bad. This is so bad. He was writing this. Why is this happening? <laughs> but then you just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stop. <sighs> well. What can we expect from the next episode? In the next episode, we meet the Angel of Death! (laughs) You should be excited, because it's exciting. 
It's exciting. Yes. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of American Horror Story Asylum. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm on at Clarice Lou. And I am on Anime Demented. Sa joie le convertit. Dominique, nique, nique, s'en allait tout simplement. Routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Ni chameau, ni diligence, il parcourt le repapier. Scandinavie ou Provence, dans la sainte pauvreté. Dominique, nique, nique, s'en allait tout simplement Routier, pauvre et chantant En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu Il ne parle que du bon Dieu